following is a continuation in our series looking at who Jesus is and how his character changes the way we live. We hope you enjoy. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for the ways that you show us your kindness and love. We do pray that tonight as we talk about your humanity and why that's important, Lord, that you would teach us more about yourself. And Lord, that you would teach us why your humanity is so important for our salvation and our life with you. So I just pray that you would work with us, work in our hearts, even now begin to, to transform us to be more like you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We all love a good superhero movie, right? In fact, in the year 2019, did you know that superhero movies represented 25% of movies that were made that year? There's something about a hero coming to save humanity. We love the stories. We love a hero coming in to save the day. Take, for instance, Superman. Superman, on the outside, what does he look like? Just a normal guy, right? He's Clark Kent. He works at a newspaper. He lives a relatively boring, everyday, Joe Schmo kind of life, right? Until he opens up the suit and there's Superman, right? He would always show up as Superman and save the day. The important thing to note is that he only looked like a regular, everyday, normal person. Okay? Because who was he? He's Superman. And where does he come from? He comes from Krypton. And he is a superhuman. He has superhuman strength. He can shoot lasers from his eyes. He can save people, right? He can fly. Superhuman strength. And he does this because he wasn't a human being. Right? A normal human being can't do that. So when we look at Jesus' humanity, we actually see the opposite. Okay? The fact that Jesus can come in and save the day for us is precisely because he came as a human being. We're very good about talking about how Jesus is God. Right? Will we say that? Y'all agree? Y'all, y'all believe that Jesus is God? Okay, step one. We're, we're halfway there. Good. Okay, good. Definitely. I like it. But sometimes we leave his humanity falling a little bit short because maybe we don't understand it. Maybe we just don't talk about it enough. But tonight I want us to talk about how Jesus was fully human because he is able to save us because he was fully human. Okay, Today we're going to focus on what it means that Jesus was fully man. This is the doctrine that we call the incarnation. When Jesus came incarnate to this earth to walk amongst us. Okay, He came as a man to redeem mankind. And this is perhaps the most shocking thing that the God of the universe would even choose to do that. I want you to just pause and think about that for a second. That the creator of the universe would even think about condescending and coming and living amongst us. Does any other religion teach something like that? No. All the gods of other religions are distant and impersonal and would never stoop so low as to come and live amongst us. But he did. So tonight, here's kind of our main overarching theme and point. Jesus being fully man means that he could fully identify with and show us his loving grace. Jesus being fully man means that he could fully identify with and show us his loving grace. So same two questions we're going to ask all semester. What does this mean and why is it important? So what does this mean? I want you to turn your attention to Philippians 2. Caleb's going to come up and read that for us. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count the quality of God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of God. 
and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Okay, so this particular section of Paul's letters to the Philippian church is aimed at describing the example of Jesus' humility for us. So he's putting it on display to show us what true humility looks like. In fact, if you look at the end of chapter 1, it talks about how he wants them to let every manner of their life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So everything about them should be worthy of their Savior, which includes a call towards unity with one another. And the point is that you cannot find unity with other people without humility. You cannot have unity with other people unless you're willing to step back and not put yourself first all the time. Okay? So without humility, everyone's going to do what? They're going to serve themselves. So he gives us this example of, of Jesus in the incarnation and how Jesus shows us the perfect picture of what humility is. Okay? This shows us how the incarnation is the best and most perfect illustration of what it means to put someone else first. Okay? So the incarnation, Jesus is fully God. Okay, now, I want you to think about this. We're going to get a little technical here for just a second. But Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully man. Does that make sense to you? It's quite confusing to a lot of people. Right? The fact that he can be fully man and fully God. We're going to talk about him being fully God next week, so please come back for that. But being fully God, he never actually gave up his deity when he came to earth. So there are people that believe that he did that. They're wrong. But... There are certain parts of Jesus' life on earth that do have, and I'm putting this in air quotations, please notice, limitations. And what I mean by that, he emptied himself here. He did give up certain privileges of being the Son of God when he came to this earth. Matthew 24, 36 says this, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only, which tells us that in his human nature, he did have limitations in his knowledge. John 17, 5 says, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. And what Jesus is acknowledging there in John 17, which is his high priestly prayer where he's praying to his Father, he's actually acknowledging that there's a certain level of glory that I had when I was in heaven that I don't have right now. And I laid that aside for just a little bit. So that I can come and be with my people. Pastor John Piper writes this. He says, I think that would include at least the privileges of deity that stand between the divine Christ and the shame and degradation of suffering and death on a cross. That's the point of Philippians 2, 5 to 8. He moved from such heights to such shameful degradation on our behalf. And that's the mindset that we're supposed to have as we serve others. So Jesus humbled himself to come and serve us. He does this in a couple ways here. He was born in the likeness of men. Romans 5.8 tells us, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, or sin, he condemns sin to death. And this is because we were unable to correct the problem of sin. He had to humble himself by coming and living perfectly for us, facing all that temptation. It says that he became obedient to the point of death. Romans 5.19 tells us, For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. That's Adam. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So Jesus is coming to live the life that Adam should have lived. 
and obeyed God's word, and he's going to actually do it perfectly as Adam did not. So by humbly putting the needs of his people first, he's going to secure righteousness for us. He's going to secure life with him for us. That's what it means that he came and lived and, and was fully man. But let's talk about why that matters. Turn to Hebrews 4, 14 to 15. Since then we have a great high priest who had passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Awesome. So what Jesus' humanity means for us is profound. And my, my hope and goal for this semester is that every time we look at a different aspect of Jesus' life, we see that whatever the aspect is, it actually serves as a means to show us just how amazing his grace is. God is perfect, and he cannot be in the presence of sin. He can't be in the presence of sin because he is fully perfect. For God to come and be with his creation, something special had to happen. Just as we read from Philippians, there are certain privileges that had to be set aside for God to do that. Set aside for Jesus to come to this earth. Now, just a little bit of history here. There have been people that have looked at passages like we've looked at tonight, and they deny that Jesus was actually fully man. It's a pretty bold statement because we have books written about this man named Jesus. We have history about Jesus himself. There's been a historical denial of Jesus' humanity, most notably in something that's called docetism. And the word docetism comes from the Greek word dokeo, which means to seem. So there are people in the early church that actually claim that Jesus only seemed to have a human body. He didn't actually have a human body. He only, uh, it was almost like a figment of our imagination. Which is wrong for what reason? What proof do we have that he was a human being? It's a pretty big one. Okay, David's doing this right here, okay? He bled from his hands, right? He bled from his forehead with the, the crown of thorns. Okay? He sweat. Okay? They stabbed him in the side with a spear. And water and blood came out. Okay? So there, there's a physical proof that we have there. That he didn't just seem to have a human body, but he actually did. And they were focusing on his divinity, which is good. But they're missing out on his humanity, which, which points us towards the fact that he's able to identify with us. So as a result of this, they argued that his humanity was just an illusion. He only seemed to be human, which is kind of like the Clark Kent illustration from earlier. On the outside, he looks like he's just a regular, everyday guy, but he only seemed to be that way. But our passage right here, okay, how is Jesus described here in Hebrews? He's described as the great high priest. Now, if you think about this, the high priest would have to go in, make the sacrifices for the people, but what's the problem with a priest? He's not holy, right? Priests were sinful. They were fallible. They would make bad decisions. In fact, throughout history, we can look at the history of the church and the history of the popes and the history of Christianity. A lot of Christians made really bad decisions, okay? even the ones that were in leadership positions. And so even the high priests could not do what Jesus came to do. So as being our high priest, he's representing his people and serving them as priests. And leadership actually makes more sense in context. So I want you to think about this. If you run a Presbyterian group or a ministry in this denomination, you probably don't want a Muslim or a Mormon being in charge of that organization. Does that make sense? Okay. What could be some problems that could arise? Yes. So they're going to come at it with a very different perspective. They're going to come at it with their Mormonism or their Islam. Okay. 
And instead of guiding and directing the, the ministry or, or whatever it is with Christian principles, they're going to bring in other stuff. Say you're running a charitable organization that seeks to help homeless people. You probably don't want somebody that's flying around in private jets all the time and spending hundreds of dollars on meals every night or you know, spends hundreds of dollars on clothing every week. Or someone who has never even talked to a homeless person, right? Would any of that make sense for that organization? No. You want somebody who's able to actually identify with the people that they're serving. Okay? And that's what this passage is really getting at with, for us here. Jesus came as a high priest to identify with us. Think about this for a second. In the beginning of the book of Mark, Jesus comes to John the Baptist. And what happens? They're at the water, and what does Jesus want to happen? He wants to be baptized. Think about that for a second. Why would a perfect God need to be baptized and washed of sins? You ever thought about that? Like, why would Jesus even want to be baptized? Because baptism represents the washing of sins. Did Jesus have sin? No. So why did he do it? Yeah, he's stooping down low, right? He's engaging with his people. He's identifying with his people and their shortcomings. And he's saying, I'm going to get down here with you to show you just how much God loves you. So Jesus as a high priest and as a full man can identify with the struggles that we have here on this earth. Y'all have struggles? I have struggles. I know y'all have struggles. We all have struggles. So what this means for us is that Jesus doesn't serve us like any other human being. There's been a lot of great high priests throughout history. Even they fell short. But Jesus, verse 15, For we do not serve a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. And what does this mean? He serves us as fully human, but he has the capability to do what no other human being could do in history, which is to face those temptations and to face those sins and be perfect And the passage ends by saying, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So he can come and save us because he's identifying with us. He he wants to be with us. He's showing you how much he loves you by actually coming down and, and being with us. And that is so important and foundational for us. C.S. Lewis, in a radio address, illustrated the incarnation and Jesus' sacrifices for us in this way. He says, lying at your feet is a dog. Imagine for that moment that your dog and every dog is in deep distress. Some of us love dogs very much. If it would help all the dogs in the world to become like men, would you be willing to become a dog? Would you put down your human nature, leave your loved ones, your job, hobbies, art, literature, music, and choose instead of the intimate communion with your beloved, the poor substitute of looking into the beloved's face and wagging your tail, unable to smile or speak? Christ becoming man limited the thing which to him was the most precious thing in the world, his unhampered, unhindered communion with the Father. And that's why he gave up certain parts of the privileges of being the Son of God when he came to serve you. He did it because he loves you. Jesus represents human beings and takes away their sins. He couldn't do that if he wasn't holy man. He couldn't represent human beings if he wasn't fully men. One of my professors in seminary, Dr. Mike Kruger, puts it this way. He says, if he cannot represent us, then he cannot redeem us. If God can't represent us and identify with us, then he can't redeem us. 
And what that does sink in for you, that without the humanity of Christ, without the humanity of Jesus, then you have nothing. I want to pause there for just a second and let you think about that. Without Jesus being fully man, without this doctrine, then none of the Bible matters. Because would he have died on the cross? No, it would have only seemed that he would have died on the cross. And we know from the Bible that blood was necessary for the covering of sin. So him being human and dying for us, this is the the most beautiful thing. And just as we saw last week, he had that plan from the beginning. That this was all part of this promised plan that God had had for us. You have a God that was willing to stoop down, show us his humility, but also one that loves you so much that he knows how hard life is because it's hard. And he's able to step into that with you. He's able to sympathize with you. Kruger continues that when we struggle with, with life in a fallen world, no one can say that Jesus doesn't understand what it's like. Because he does. Because he came and lived. I want you to see how important and beautiful that is. Jesus being fully man should mean everything to us. So let me pray for us. We'll go to small groups. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for coming to this earth, Lord. Uh, thank you for being willing to stoop so low as to come and live amongst us. Lord, that is a great picture of humility, and it's a great picture of your love and kindness to us. And I pray that that reality would be something that's real and tangible for us tonight. So I pray as we go to our small groups that you would bless us and watch over us and teach us more about you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an ear out for more audio upcoming from WIF.